dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Most of us spend most of our time working, and yet most of us have a hard time linking what we do when we work to the most important of tasks, namely our relationship with God. In this series, I want to explore the deep foundations of the work that we do and its link to our spirituality. Hi everybody, it's so glad I'm so glad to be back with you again. We've got so much to cover here and so much depth to give. And I just I just so overjoyed to be able to have this opportunity to speak with you because as Catholics, so often we don't think the church has enough to say about things that really matter. Honestly, we we kind of sell the church short a lot. We we talk about it as kind of a home of spirituality where good feelings kind of live. And then we look at the real world in quotes as if the real world was more real than the world of the church. And there we we deal with that according to its own terms. And we live in a kind of division between the place where we work and the way that we work and then the rest of our lives. This is not the way it's supposed to be. What if I could actually link the two? What if, just imagine the power this could be, if what I did every day in the quote-unquote real world actually found its culmination, its meaning, and its blessing in my spiritual world? What if my faith would feed my energy for the real world, my dynamism in the real world. Could you imagine if I could bring the power of Jesus Christ and the power of my belief in God to bear on my day-to-day living? I, mean, I, would, be a, I, I would live a different life. It would be unreal. And what if my day-to-day living were, actually, were to actually impact what I did and connect and find its culmination and what I did as if what I did every day was wanted by that God. What if I could bring faith to business and business to faith? Well, my friends, we need to. It's more than even that we can. I said we need to. This is the hallmark of the Christian worker, the person who believes in Christ and engages in work is supposed to do these two. And then we say, oh, I don't know how to do that, right? Like, oh, I'm kind of lost in the moss over here. Stop for a second. This is where the beauty of the church comes in. Pope John Paul II wrote a document called Laborem Exercens. That's a, it's a Latin phrase, and I get it, right? Like, you kind of like, man, I wish that the church would just get with marketing a little bit better because <laughs> we keep naming things, these words no one can pronounce. It's almost a sure bet that, that this is not going to go over with a bang, right? So, but that's what we name it, laborum exorcism. And it means 
on the dignity of work. And at the end of this letter that he wrote to the entire world, this is now, you know, 30 some years ago, he wrote this document, but it still rings true. He rings, lists off elements for a spirituality of work. And when I read that, I thought to myself, I've got to tell all of my friends about this. I've got to make some podcasts about this. I've got to make some retreats about this because this subject can change the way that you carry out 40 hours per week of your life, if not more. I think it's actually a lot more. I think it's more like 90 to 100 hours of your life per week when you throw in all the different types of work that you do and all the places that you do it. And, and, and yet for many of us, it's just an idea that's gathering dust on the shelves. Why don't I pick it up off the shelf here and I'm gonna unpack it for you, right? Because I want you to know the dignity and the power of what you do every single day. And I want you to be able to bring what you do every single day into the mass and allow the mass to be enriched by the power of the, the offering that you're making from your work. And that's exactly what Pope John Paul II is trying to do here in this document. So let's start with a prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us here. Ask him to set our hearts on fire because this message is, is too important for us to miss. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What, is, what, is it, what does it mean to be a Catholic priest speaking to workers? There's a, a funny kind of phrase that, that someone told me when I got ordained because, you know, in my own life, I used to only do manual labor all the way up until I came into seminary. And then, of course, I continued to do manual labor as a part of our religious life in our community. But progressively, manual labor has kind of disappeared from my life. And I, I regret that right, to, many, to a great extent because I loved doing the work that other people relied upon. And I love the satisfaction of being able to stop my work, look back over my shoulder and say, I did that. And what I did is gonna last for the next 30 years. You know, I, I've laid a roof on that house. I've laid a roof on that building. And that building is gonna bear the, the signature of my labors. It's a great pride to be a blue collar worker. And I did it with, with, with much joy, but when I became a priest, I remember someone whispering in my ear, ah, Father, now it's chalices, not calluses. <laughs> it's chalices, not calluses. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? They kind of smile. They got a little laugh out of it, you know? But that's what a lot of us think is actually true. We actually think, what does my priest have to tell me about my work? Right? What, is, what does my religion have to tell me about what I do every day? The, the more that we progress in a secularized society, 
the more that our workplaces become places that are kind of antithetical to religion. They're, they're, they're against the idea that you can even bring religion into them. Work is about work. And if you want to do something about religion, you put that in your heart. On the side, when someone dies, when you're blue, you know, and, but we really don't want to talk about that in the workplace. And then since that same environment of the workplace is what dominates our political discourse, as what dominates the, 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 the news and so many of the other aspects of our world, progressively, religion just doesn't seem to have much of a place at all. Uh, I, there's a recent statement that came out by uh, one of the governmental commissions in South Africa that actually said miracles do not exist. I thought, oh, that's really something else. You know, congratulations, South Africa government for deciding to just declare that miracles don't exist. I wonder where they got that from. But that's what a lot of us think anyway. A lot of us see religion as some sort of impracticality, and yet nothing could be further from the truth. And I really mean that. What if, and I want you to open your mind for a second, what if religion actually had a message directed to us in the workplace? Wouldn't that make the workplace better? Wouldn't that fill the mundane with a sublime meaning that would transcend it? You bet it would. And guess what? It does. The Catholic Church gives voice to a message that comes directly from God to all of us in our work, all of us in the real world. And I want to share with that what that is. It comes from John Paul II's letter, Laborem Exercens. And I just want to read you and, and comment a little bit on a few of those passages. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so we're, we're, we're confronted with this problem, right? Like I spend all of this time trying to figure out, you know, how to make the world go around and I don't know why. The number of people that I talk to who are just great Catholic people, great Christian people, they got a great faith going on. And then they'll turn to me and they'll say, Father Nathan, I just wish I did something meaningful. And I'm looking at them and they have, you know, a thousand people that report up to them somewhere or the other in the organization. They have, you know, 35 employees uh, somewhere else or another business owner that's doing something that's absolutely essential, running cybersecurity for all kinds of businesses that are out there. And yet they look at me and they say, I wish I could get rid of this, sell my business and do something meaningful. And I say to myself, well, I mean, if that's not meaningful, I mean, I don't know what you think is meaningful because this is extremely important stuff, what you're doing. Uh, I used to work as a garbage man, for example. This is Father Nathan talking here. Believe it or not, I was. I was a garbage man. And I'm so proud of that. I was proud of the work that we did. We used to call ourselves not garbage men, but sanitation engineers. <laughs> and we meant it because what we did every day was cleaning up a dirty world, right? We, we, took, we took pride in what we did. And that pride in what we did, I was able to attach immediately back to God because of my faith. But for a lot of us, we're not. A lot of us make that dividing line. John Paul II, when he was Pope, and this is, you know, many years ago, uh, but it's what he said was right. 
He writes this. This is from a document that's called Laborem Exercens, and it's a Latin word that means by working, okay, by working, through the exercise of work. And it's at the very end, he does, it's the fifth chapter of this encyclical letter. He ends up writing and putting forth the elements for a spirituality of work. And I want you to just to listen to what he says here. This is, a, this is a paragraph 24 of the document. It is right to devote the last part of these reflections about human work to the spirituality of work in the Christian sense. Since work in its subjective aspect is always a personal action, an actus personae, it follows that the whole person, body and spirit, participates in it, whether it is manual or intellectual work. It is also the whole person, to the whole person, that the word of the living God is directed, the evangelical message of salvation, in which we find many points which concern human work and which throw particular light on it. These points need to be properly assimilated, assimilated an inner effort on the part of the human spirit guarded, guided by faith, hope, and charity is needed in order that through these points, the work of the individual human being may be given the meaning which it has in the eyes of God and by means of which work enters into, the, into salvation, into the salvation process on a par with the other ordinary, yet particularly important components of his texture. All right, so right away you read that, and you know most of you reading that say to yourself, well, I don't understand how to make head nor tail of this, right? So let me help you with this, because what he just said there is absolutely stunning. Work has meaning in the eyes of God. So now my question to you is how? The question that most of you have when you hear that is how? How does it have meaning? Exactly. Now you're following the right steps, everybody. But to first take a step back and to realize the power of those words, that my work has meaning in the eyes of God. You say, why does it have meaning in the eyes of God? Isn't it just something that I have to do in order to then live, right? So a lot of us have that perspective. We're kind of like work is a necessary evil in order that then I can, through my work, take care of the garden and be with the grandkids and go to the Caribbean or I don't know what aspect you have of living the way you define it. But for most of us, life begins when work stops. Uh, it's like the type of person that I met once who said, listen, basically I put myself up for sale and I say, I'm going to sell eight hours of my day and I'll sell to the highest bidder and then I'll do whatever they tell me to do. And at the end of those eight hours, I get that equivalent of money so that then I can go and live. And, and for so many of us, we're stuck in jobs, jobs where we feel that way. Where we just feel like there's no real point to what I'm doing. And that's what enables us to live those moments so poorly. Because there's, all I'm doing is putting this time up for sale. It's not really my time. I'm not really invested in that time, right? I'm just punching the clock. And from the moment I punch in, I punch my brain out. 
<laughs> that's what a lot of people will, will do, right? And then they just kind of like allow themselves to be governed by the drone, the drone bee that tells them, you shall move this package here and you shall do this and you should go faster. And we put our head down and we just do it. So, and then during that time frame when we're doing those things, we're not really engaged. Well, let me tell you something. This is not only harmful to you as a human being, it's also harmful to you as a worker. As someone who employs people himself, if my employee showed up at work and did that every day, our relationship would not last long. <laughs> I don't have time as an employer to employ people who don't want to be there. Right? Because if you don't want to be there, you're not going to be able to do the type of work that we need to get done. Listen, we have a mission to accomplish that's much bigger than something that I can just do and perform by obeying whatever the, the manager tells me to do. And each one of us has something that's that important. Do you not look at your work to be that important? You need to. You need to shift your perspective, first of all, and say, I've been sent here with all of my gifts and all of my talents and everything that I am in order to be responsible for this work. The, the, the idea that my work has value in the eyes of God ought to be like an earthquake in my soul. If what I'm doing has value in the eyes of God, then how is God seeing what I'm doing right now? You know, how, what's his vision on what I'm doing? And how does he see the way that I'm doing it? Is, does my work please him? Is my work an act of offering to him? Is my work a gift to him? It can be. What if it was? What if you made it that way? I'm inviting you to become creative again, to, to reawaken those deep wellsprings of life in your soul. To say to yourself, no one here is a number in the eyes of God. And the Catholic Church wants to reawaken that dead soul. To say no one in here is allowed to consider themselves to be a number. Or just some sort of mover of, of things that have to be done. No one in here is without a name and an identity. You are claimed by Christ. And the moment that you open yourself to that truth and that possibility is the moment not only that you get your life flooded with meaning, but the moment that your work also awakens to its truest potential. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. This is why the real question becomes for us, how is it that I awaken my work to its truest potential, right? What are the steps that I can take to make sure that what I do day in and day out doesn't just become a doldrum? I want to actually kind of voice a, a, a voice of rebellion against that stereotype that is enunciated in so many different levels of our culture. That tells you that what you do at the workplace somehow or other is less important or less profound in its meaning than what you do in other places, in other spaces. 
I want to issue a voice of rebellion against that because I think it's not true. I think that, yes, there's different levels of importance in things. And I think that uh, educating your children to love is of more importance than, than gardening, obviously. I think that. Or I think that, you know, being a sanitation engineer, as wonderful as it is as an experience, is less important than being a mom or a dad, less important than worshiping God at church. Absolutely. I get I get that. But I'm not saying that it's acceptable for as much because of the hierarchy of importance to speak about it as if it didn't have an intrinsic value that was linked to who I am. I, I remember a story. Let me tell you a story. There was a, a fellow one time I knew who was an excellent foreman of a very difficult group of workers. And he had mastered this uh, his role of authority such that those workers, although they were, uh, a motley crew is putting it lightly, <laughs> let's put it that way, uh, actually were disciplined and got their job done and did it well. And I asked this foreman, I said, what's the secret of your success? How is it that someone like you, who goes to mass, who tries to be a good you know, Christian, prays the rosary, is a genuine nice guy, how is it that you gained the authority over these these folks here who really normally would you know bend to no one but gladly allowed him to lead them and he said oh well you know it's kind of easy i just do two things i said what's that he said well i come to work wearing clean clothes and i don't swear i stared at him in amazement he explained he said the very fact that I come to work every day wearing clean clothes and in his job, that wasn't the standard thing. You kind of kept your, your same clothes day after day because they would just get dirty instantly. But he said, the fact that I come to work in clean clothes and the fact that I don't swear made them notice me enough that they would listen to what I said. And now, he said, I've listened to their pains, their difficulties, and I was able to bring, even into this workplace, the light of Christ by those simple two things. And as I think about that, I'm like, that's exactly what Pope John Paul II was telling us here in Laborum Exercens, this, this encyclical he wrote on work. He says that every act of work, work in its subject aspect, aspect is always an actus personae. That's a, it's a Latin phrase, actus, it means an act or an action persona of a person. That means that my work is called by God to be owned by me as if it was something that I did, me, I put my name after that I could sign. What if, what, what if at the end of the day I were to tell you, don't work a day of your life that you couldn't turn around and then put your signature on. This is my work. I claim this. I mean, the, I mean, a lot of us, we, we kind of like, would, would bl you know, blush at that. We'd say, I don't think I could actually do that. I mean, all I am is a, is a grocery clerk. All that I am is a, is a bank teller. All that, And I'd say, no. Because the fact is that that day, that bank teller in that building was you. And that, how wonderful it would be if you would take that attitude towards it and actually think to yourself for one second, just like, this is something that I am doing. I'm not just a cog in the machine, in other words, allowing the for blind forces of the economy to dictate my actions for eight hours. That might be how you feel, my friends. 
That might be how you, you are put in your position right now, but I'm telling you they can only do that to you from the outside. I'm here to summon you from the inside. And to say, if you were to approach that same days of work, that same hardship and toil that you have to wake up to every single day, put your belt on and face with the attitude of Christ, it begins by saying, this workday is mine. I am in this work. This work is an act of me. And I need, therefore, not only to be proud of it, but to bring other people to pride through it because this day will be mine. You see, yeah, I actually think it's, a, it's the beginning of leadership in our culture when at the place of work, I can begin to claim responsibility. As I claim responsibility in the workplace, so I inject all of myself and who I am into this world. And when I inject all of myself and who I am into this world, this world is impacted by me and I exert the leadership on it that I was called to exert. The problem that we have today, in other words, is not evil out there. The problem we have today is the lack of leaders willing to claim that space with light. Well, what's the space you've got? Eight hours a day as a bank teller is a heck of a job. The number of people who come through there, the trustworthiness of your activity, the efficiency with which you work, the speed, the accuracy, the smile, the professionalism breeds confidence into people's hearts. You can do the same thing as, as your grocery clerk, the same thing as a stock boy in the store, the same thing as, as, as a counselor having to do hours and hours of notes after every person that you meet. Your work is not without meeting when it's yours. The person or the way to find meaning in your work is to put yourself in it. That's the first step. The second step is going to be to connect it to God. And we're going to find out more about that the more that we read from John Paul II because in this he, element, he, he points that out. But my work has a value in the eyes of God because I do. What an amazing statement. My work has value in the eyes of God because I do. What would happen in your life if you adapted your work and your vision to your job as if it was an act of everything that you were and that you brought the best of yourself into it? I'll tell you what would happen. <laughs> Two things. Your work will be filled with meaning and your work would be done beautifully. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.